White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. Welcome in to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I am Connor McKnight. You can give the gift of White Sox baseball with a holiday pack starting at $79. Get six ticket vouchers to 56 different home games during the 2022 regular season. Along with an exclusive White Sox hat and scarf set, visit WhiteSox.com slash holiday packs to purchase yours today. I, I know a lot of people after Thanksgiving are looking around at Black Friday and this weekend trying to get the right gifts for the people in their lives for the upcoming holiday season. And I, six t- ticket vouchers to 56 White Sox home games during 2022. Sounds like the gift for me. Uh, you're not buying for me, of course. You're buying for your family members, your loved ones. But we're glad to be part of your White Sox life here on White Sox Weekly. Tyler Aki is our producer this morning. Good morning, Tyler. How are you, sir? Good to see you. Good to see you as well. How was your Thanksgiving? Wonderful. Started out with a migraine in the morning, so that was less than ideal. That's not how you want to start the Mm -hmm. holiday season. But I bounced back, and uh, Friday morning was able to hop on and do the show with you uh, and with Jeff Meller. We were talking a little bears then, of course. But I've I've been waiting to get to this Kendall Graveman stuff. That's what, that's really all my last week and a half has been, just waiting to get to the next White Sox Weekly Show talk a little Kendall Graveman. I noticed Tyler Aki, the young, the phenom Tyler Aki, has now, he's broken. You're drinking coffee now. It's been a long time hot since chocolate. I've known you. Oh, it's hot, hot chocolate. Cho- oh, okay, mm-hmm. we haven't broken him yet. Soon. So close. Soon the off-season, the hot the stove gateway. will break Tyler Aki into drinking a little bit of coffee. Uh, it is a baseball tradition. Uh, keep it to the regular stuff, though. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. Got a lot to get to here. And the White Sox have really kicked their uh, postseason uh, plans into high gear with the reported signing of Kendall Graveman. We're going to get right into that. Oh, I should tell you, we are streaming live on Twitch. Uh, follow us at ESPN1000. Tyler's going to turn the Twitch thing on in just a second. And, uh, oh, you can hit us on Twitter, too, at ESPN White Sox. That's the Twitter handle. You want to follow that all year long. All your breaking White Sox news and all the sorts of White Sox content announcements come on that Twitter handle. I'm at C1 McKnight. I tweet a lot of the same and a lot of their musings and some Wisconsin football stuff, but that's not my fault. Jesse Rogers will join us at 930. He got to know Kendall Graveman just a little bit when Graveman was signed to the team across the other side of town. Didn't pitch for the Cubs, but Graveman's uh, background, history, performance, it's all pretty interesting. Uh, in case you've missed the news, and I don't think you have, it's been out there for a little while. Still yet to be made official by the team, but as first reported by John Heyman of MLB Network, the White Sox and Kendall Graveman, free agent, right-handed reliever, have agreed to a three-year deal worth about $24 million. I'll do the math for you. Well, at least the calculator on my phone will. Three years, 24 mil. That's about 8 mil per year for Kendall Graveman. He's a former starter, came up with the Oakland, came up with Toronto Blue Jays, and then really made a name for himself with the Oakland A's, 15, 16, 17, 18, all out of the rotation. You know, pretty okay, back-end rotation kind of guy, held his own. He was drafted by the Marlins in 2012, did not sign. 
Then finally, taken in the eighth round of the 13 draft by the Toronto Blue Jays. He's out of Mississippi State. His arsenal, or most of what he'll work with, now that he's in the pen, and we'll talk about his transformation in just a second, uh, mostly sinker, slider kind of guy, will rush a four-seam fastball up there, throws a changeup and flips a curve, but those are pretty rare pitches. The sinker and the slider are where Kendall Graveman gets most of his work done. And, And the big deal with Graveman, Although he's not had a whole lot of experience out of the bullpen in his career. Uh, in fact, really just working out of the pen primarily in 2020, 2021. Uh, that's, that's really it. He did not pitch in 2019. Um, he turned into a really good reliever for both the Mariners and Astros last year. Bit of a tale of two halves with Kendall Graveman in the 2021 season, but, and this is something I think you're going to hear a lot of when we talk about relievers signing long-term deals or, or really even just moving to different teams in baseball, the peripherals, you know, the, the uptick kind of thing in velocity and spin rate, all that kind of stuff, the slow-motion cams, they all check out for Kendall Graveman. That sinker that he throws jumped up about a tick maybe even two miles per hour over the last year or so, and that seems to be holding. The slider is good as well. So getting out of the bullpen has allowed Graveman to throw a bit harder and be more successful. He's always been a ground ball guy, but he increased the strikeout rate uh, by quite a bit over the last year, year and a half or so. September 2020 is when the Mariners moved Graveman into a more short relief kind of stuff. He really felt good about it. The Mariners felt good about it as well. Uh, And then to start 2021, although there were a few blips, he was on the COVID list for about two, two and a half weeks. I want to say middle of May into uh, early June for Graveman. He was actually quarantined for about two, two and a half weeks in San Diego. Uh, that's where he contracted the, the the virus and had to wait a little bit and sit out, as as many people did last season. Either way, in, let's see, 33 innings for Seattle last year, Graveman held a .82 ERA, ERA plus of 5.13. Of course, you know, 33 innings, that's not really that meaningful of a stat. But the FIP, fielding independent pitching, 2.90. That holds up. That's good stuff. Pretty okay with the Houston Astros late in the season, slipped up a little bit, was hit around some magnificent postseason numbers with the Houston Astros as they made their way into the World Series. And if you're thinking Kendall Graveman, Kendall Graveman, like I, I know he was out of the rotation for the A's for a while, uh, but something else is in my. He's the guy. Graveman's the guy who hit Abreu in Game Four of the ALCS. No one was happy about it. Tony La Russa was very upset. It 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 wasn't great. It wasn't great, but. Bygones are bygones, and uh, in this league, when you want impact players, you got to sign them, kind of regardless of, of what's going on in the background there. So you've got Kendall Graveman now. And that doesn't mean that there aren't questions about what the White Sox bullpen looks like from here on out or you know what the, what, what the next couple of steps in the offseason are. I want to know what you think of the White Sox reportedly signing Kendall Graveman to a three-year, $24 million contract and what you want next. For the White Sox in this post in this off season three one two three three two three seven seven six that is the phone number now for Graveman obviously there is a um, well there's a Craig Kimbrell contract in the middle of the room right uh, we know from the get go when the White Sox traded for Craig Kimbrell from the Cubs that was the Nick Madrigal Cody Hoyer trade though I'm sure you remember there were talks rumors reports about what the White Sox might be doing with Craig Kimbrell 
in this offseason. The option deadline came and went about three weeks ago, and the White Sox exercised the $16 million option that they held on Craig Kimbrell. Obviously, the success for Kimbrell with the White Sox wasn't what they had hoped for, either side, really. That said, the bullpen right now, Liam Hendricks, Craig Kimbrell, Kendall Graveman, Aaron Bummer, Guys like Ronaldo Lopez and some others. You know, there have been some subtractions from that bullpen to Evan Marshall, non-tendered. Uh, same with Jimmy Cordero. Uh, you're going to miss some guys, uh, Evan Marshall specifically, whether they re-sign him or not, for the 2022 season uh, because he's had to undergo TJ surgery. But you, you've got figure about $44 million committed to the bullpen in 2022. That's a big stack of cash. And it's not that you can't do that if you're the White Sox. You could hold a payroll that's somewhere around $190, $200 million if you wanted. It would be atypical of the White Sox to do so. But right now, that's about where things set. Of course, we backtrack just a little bit. There have been reports about what to do with Craig Kimbrell and about what the White Sox are aiming to do with Craig Kimbrell since the season ended against the Astros in Game 4 of that ALDS. It sounds like... The White Sox are more than willing to shop Craig Kimbrell around and see if they can move that $16 million. Kimbrell, who wasn't a perfect fit for the White Sox in the bullpen, at least not last year. That's not to say that it couldn't work if they do start the season with Kimbrell on the roster. But Graveman, although he might look like some redundant parts, I think is pretty necessary for the White Sox heading into 2022. Now, You are signing a guy that's coming off a career year to an $8 million per year contract. But as as we've learned, once you get to, you know, kind of that shift from mid-rotation guy or rotation guy into the bullpen, you look for a handful of specific things. You look for what that pitch mix is. You look for the spin rates to check out okay. And you look for the velocities, you know, to kind of bump up just a little bit because short relief can do that for a lot of guys. Those things all check out with Kendall Graveman, and that's a good thing. Ethan Katz has a pretty good track record so far of keeping guys like that on track. That checks out as well. With the White Sox losing not just, you know, Evan Marshall for the rest of the year and maybe Ryan Tapera, who I think the White Sox would love to sign back, but that's, you know, he's going to face a pretty robust open market, to borrow a word from Rick Hahn. Uh, You've got to shore up the pen. Graveman goes a long way to doing that, signed for now uh, reportedly three years and $24 million. Now, on the other side of those uh, of all of those signings and that reinforcement of the bullpen, you've got Michael Kopech leaving for the rotation. So there are arms and innings that the White Sox need to cover. Graveman can do that for you. Still, though, you know, there, there are open spots on this roster. Right now, and I like to borrow the, word, uh, the phrase from Moneyball, Somebody hits a ground ball to second base, there's nobody there to pick it up. I mean, at least according to the depth chart. There's guys in the 40-man that the White Sox can throw in there. And we'll talk about the success of Yolbert Sanchez in the Arizona Fall League a little bit later on in the show. But second base is a big point of roster building for the White Sox, I think, in this offseason. There's right field as well. Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets and Adam Engel could all play in to at-bats in right field. But there are some impact players, though some have come off the board in the last couple of days, some impact players that the White Sox could chase to get into that. There's also the starting rotation. 
Kopech's going to move into the starting five, but whether he can handle 120, 130, 140 innings is a little bit up in the air. It'd be a big increase from last year to 2022. There is something, there's, there's that last piece of the puzzle, right? And this is for just about every team. Maybe a couple that you throw out, right? The very bottom of the league, guys that are rebuilding, teams that are rebuilding, like the Diamondbacks or the Pirates, for instance. You don't need to know what their payroll is. You know where they're headed. And on the other side of the spectrum, you've got teams like the Yankees and the Dodgers. And in some years, the Red Sox, although they like to jettison salary every now and again. Just look at the Mookie Betts deal. But you know that they're going to spend. That next piece of the puzzle for the White Sox is, what's the budget? What's the payroll? How much are the White Sox willing to commit to the 2022 season? There's already a good amount of money on the books. And we mentioned that Craig Kimbrell, uh, you know, he's, he's connected to $16 million. Saw a tweet from somebody who's well connected to the White Sox about exactly that, about that payroll and the players that the White Sox may try and work into their fold in just a little bit. When we come back, we'll get you what that tweet was and fill you in on some of the rumors and reports around the White Sox in this offseason. You can upgrade your game day experience in the 2022 to a private diamond suite. It's the perfect space for hosting family and friends or entertaining clients for a game. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesox.com. So, who are the Sox targeting next? We'll tell you when we come back. I'm Connor McKnight, White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. We are talking White Sox. This is White Sox Weekly. If you miss the show, we put the podcast up on the ESPN Chicago app. So listen on your time. White Sox Weekly, ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Swipe three, called getting. Oh, welcome back, Kendall Graveman. That is a start. Good to see you here with the Seattle Mariners. My goodness, dominating three of the best hitters in the game to get started here. It's White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. Those highlights courtesy the Mariners Television Network. I think that's Rick, Rick Riz, right? I believe you're right. That yeah. strikeout? Yeah, he's a solid. I, you know, obviously I'm watching a lot of White Sox baseball during the regular season. No kidding, right? But on the way home, you know, I'll catch a, a, a West Coast game, something late, flip it on, use the app, that kind of thing. I find myself listening to a lot of Mariners games on the way home. They're on late. The options are there. It's a hell of a broadcast. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly. That's Tyler Aki. He's playing the highlights back there. Kendall Graveman, the newly reported signing for the White Sox. Not official yet. Three years, $24 million for the right-handed sinker slider specialist out of the bullpen. He will feature prominently in the late innings for the White Sox in 2022, or at least that is the plan. Hey, you can upgrade your game day experience in 2022. The Guaranteed Rate Club includes in-seat service, parking, and unlimited food and beverage ticket packages. Start at 20 games. They include flexible payment plans and 2022 postseason opportunities. You know, every time we sit, our broadcast booths are right above the uh, those seats, right? The, the the game day experience, the Guaranteed Rate Club, the whole thing. Every time I see you know the, the, the attendants there just kind of chuck a hot dog at somebody just because they raise their hand and say hot dog and then they walk away and that person eats the hot dog, I get a little jealous. 
Just you sit there, you get anything you want at any time. You don't have that sort of service in the booth. I mean, we do, but DJ's got to ask for it. I mean, that's uh, we, we're very okay. we're very privileged, but you got to have DJ ask somebody for it because DJ runs. I don't know. Don't tell anybody. I don't know if there's many more people that have more pull at Guaranteed Rate Field than Darren Jackson. He would hate that I'm saying this right now, but I'm telling you, everybody loves that man. And they should. As they should. For more information, on not on DJ, but on the guaranteed rate club seats, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesocks.com. Okay, so two things I wanted to get to here uh, before we talk to Jesse Rogers at 930. One is a tweet from a well-connected baseball reporter. He's uh, had a lot of things on the White Sox and uh, takes a little bit of text tweets a little bit rather on what the upcoming plans might be and then one more thing in kendall graven before we get there i i understand that there was a little bit of uh angst going around white Sox twitter white Sox fans white Sox chat boards don't read the message boards but everything like i get it you've got another reliever the white Sox have an expensive bullpen as is craig kimbrell is there and not moved yet don't forget We are coming up, unfortunately, I wish it weren't the case, but in just a couple of days here, December 2nd, is when Major League Baseball's collective bargaining agreement expires. And right now, hopefully a lot changes on Monday, and we get a lot of great reports, but right now it looks like there will not be a new CBA by the time the current one expires. What does that mean? Well, we've been talking about it a lot, and chances are you probably know, but that means a lockout. And that means transactions between teams and players are frozen. Now, I think this, and when I say I think it, I kind of know it. There are a handful of ballplayers, Graveman being one of them reportedly, that just want to get this done before the CBA expires. And there are a couple of teams, the Mets being one of them, apparently. they made to, We'll get to it in the news and notes segment late in the show. Uh, but just in case you're waking up late, Starling Marte is going to go to the Mets. Uh, Mark Canna goes to the Mets. Eduardo Escobar goes to the Mets. Three players in the last, uh, probably what, 36 hours, Tyler? I think uh, if Escobar. That. Yeah, if that. If right? that. Like, I mean, Escobar was, was yesterday morning, I want right. to say. That's right, it was. That's and right, I believe it was. he kicked off the festivities. Yeah. So it's, yeah, so it's 24 hours, maybe even less. Um, the Mets have signed three players, and that's after Steve Cohen got all itchy on Twitter about not getting Steven Matz back. That's for another show. Um, but listen, there are players and teams that want to get stuff done before the CBA is over. Some of those players might not be Marcus Semien or Robbie Ray. Big names, guys that can influence the marketplace regardless of the outside circumstances, you know, the collective bargaining agreement, and, and what it affects them, you know? Or how it affects them, rather. The White Sox identified a target, again, reportedly, in Kendall Graveman. They got him to a contract that's, yeah, it's, it's nice. That's, that's career kind of money for him, coming off a career year. It's a little risky, but these are the kind of bets that you want to make, I think, early in an offseason of uncertainty around an area of need. And the White Sox bullpen is certainly one of them, especially when you bake into the math the fact that you expect them to trade Craig Kimbrell. I wouldn't look at Graveman as, boy, is this the White Sox top priority, getting another right-hander into the pen? I, I don't think you can equate it that way. you got to get done what you can get done now. You don't know what the marketplace, and, and this isn't just from the White Sox perspective, but just from anybody. You don't know what that marketplace is going to look like. Once the lockout ends, however short or long that might be, I would hate if I were if I were a team with a contending roster, 
looking at the division the White Sox are looking at, an AL Central where you could just go, yeah, we ought to win this thing. You know, nine times out of ten or eight times out of ten, whatever it is, you ought to take that division. I would hate to be sitting there in a scrunched up spring training. You know, let's say the lockout lasts a month, a month and a half, and then you get spring training going. You got to get your guys into camp. You got to sign some new players, and you got to do it all before the regular season starts, whenever that may be. Uh, maybe you get some late signing, and some of these big names might be out there for a while. They come in two weeks into spring training, and then you're like, ah, can we get them up for opening day? Are we ready to roll? My God, what if it's a pitcher, a starter? You know, whether it's the White Sox or somebody else, that takes a long time to get somebody up and going. I would hate to be in that scramble with multiple players after this lockout. Again, hopefully it doesn't happen, but however this lockout, la- however long this lockout lasts, I would hate to be in that scramble, especially when, like the White Sox can be, you can be in control of a lot of things in your own division. So I wouldn't say, ah, this is the only thing the White Sox are going to get. It's just relievers. Oh, this is their only priority. It doesn't look that way to me. This looks like a deal they could get done, so they got it done. Again, reportedly. (laughs) Team hasn't made it official yet, but I think that's coming shortly. Now, over to the tweet that I teased before the break. Uh, This is from Bob Nightingale, who is well-connected to the White Sox, of course. Nobody's 100% accurate, but Bob's had a lot of things early. After tweeting about the Kendall Graveman deal back on the 23rd, four days ago, feels like a week and a half that we've known Kendall Graveman is going to be a White Sox, but we didn't do last last week's show uh, with Kendall Graveman in the fold. So, Nightingale tweets, Reliever Kendall Graveman's three-year contract with the White Sox will become official once he passes a physical, as John Heyman reported it. He had it first. $24 million. The Sox now have $37 million in salaries for Graveman, Hendricks, Kimbrell, with plans to trade Kimbrell. Next tweet. The White Sox still seeking frontline starter like Robbie Ray and a second baseman like Marcus Semien. Ooh. Now, those are big names. Those are the big, big names. Robbie Ray won the American League Cy Young, obviously. Marcus Semien finished third. Yeah, third in AL MVP voting. Shohei Otani won it because, <laughs> because how would you not? Then there was Vlad Guerrero and this Marcus Semien, who set the record for most home runs as a second baseman in a regular season for anybody who played over 50% of their time at second base. White Sox fans, you know Marcus Semien, of course. And, and I would think that as you were... So my family does a thing where um, you get a... like It's, it's a bowl, right? And you've got like sand or something like that in there, and then you put some candles in the sand, right? And then you, you, you say something you're thankful for, you light one of the candles, and then you pass it along the table, that kind of thing. I would imagine that at, at White Sox family Thanksgivings, that a lot of people were lighting the candle, saying something they were thankful for, and then going, and I hope the Sox send Marcus Semien. And just passing, passing the thing along, if that's a tradition you're into. Like, I get it. Marcus Semien is a guy you're familiar with. He hit some tank shots this year, plays a pretty good second base, would fit real nice up the middle with Tim Anderson. He would be a big-time signing. And I would guess... I would guess probably the the contract he commands will probably make him the highest paid position player contract-wise that the White Sox have ever signed. Yes, Monty Grandall set that record a couple of off-seasons ago. I would think at 31, given the production, Semyon would probably have to come in over that number, or at least real close. So that's a big expenditure, and it should be for a player that can make that kind of impact. So combining some of these things that we've been talking about in the segment here, 
the fact that from my perspective, and I think from a lot of others, Graveman is a thing you could check off the list, get done now, and still keep your sights on other places. When you've got a guy like Nightingale letting you know that the White Sox are still looking at rotation pieces, second base pieces, and big names, you go, okay, interesting. Obviously, though, there, there, there is a number that the White Sox will probably keep to in terms of payroll. Up around 190 now is, is not a place they've usually started the season at. However, I can pretty easily make the argument that this team is ready to win. You saw some of the deficiencies they had in, the, in a tough matchup against the Astros and the ALDS. You want to shore those up, put them away, and make a move? My estimation, this is the offseason to do it. To push those chips in, ride high, and be that team. 312-332-3776. Want to know what you think about the White Sox offseason so far? Kendall Graveman reportedly added to the fold. And when we come back, Jesse Rogers of ESPN 1000, of course, and ESPN.com covers the whole league, knows Kendall Graveman just a little bit from Kendall's time across town. He was uh, out with injury while he was a, a member of the Chicago Cubs, but Jesse got to talk to him a little bit while Graveman was in town. He is reportedly back now. We'll get the latest on what's going on there and you know, kind of take a look at the offseason marketplace, see what's popping and uh, what sorts of reports may or may not be out there for a pending lockout. Hosting your group from a view like no other in the CIBC Fan Deck in 2022 is a ton of fun. Uh, the Fan Deck's located in center field sits above everything else and provides an expansive view of the entire field and stadium. Visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000 for more information. Jesse Rogers joins White Sox Weekly next on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. One of the oldest teams. Strike three call. Got it. Back to back K's for Kendall Graveman. Graveman's 0 2. Swing and a miss. The slider does him in. Kendall Graveman, the newly reported signing by the White Sox. Three years, $24 million. Those highlights, uh, courtesy of Kendall Graveman, I guess. The sinker and the slider working real well for Graveman last year for both the Mariners and the Astros. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000, and you can bring your group out to a White Sox game in 2022 and receive specially priced tickets along with great experience. Get priority access to select the biggest matchups, choose the big best space for your group, postseason priority for 2022. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesox.com. Joining us here on White Sox Weekly is Jesse Rogers. Jesse was just on the show a couple of weeks ago, and when they signed Kendall Graveman, or reportedly did Jesse, I thought, well, shoot, I know Jesse knows Kendall Graveman just a little bit. He spent a year with the Cubs while you were covering uh, that team. Well, both teams in town, obviously. Uh, But you got to know him just a little bit. Graveman didn't pitch with the Cubs, but was a part of the team. Tell me a little bit about his background, what you know of him, what you think of the signing. Jesse, thanks for yeah. coming on. Yeah, no, no, good to talk to you, Connor. Absolutely. I, I love the signing, first of all. I really do. It, I, it, whether it be Ryan Tapir or Kendall Graveman, I thought either of those two would be great as the lead setup man from the right side of the mound for the White Sox in, in 2022. I, I actually sat with uh, Graveman's agents at the GM meeting, so I had a feeling there was some conversation there. I also talked to Tapera's agents, you know, Interest in both those guys was was pretty high. They both had really good years. 
both getting traded midseason and all that. And we'll get to Graveman, Graveman's season first in Seattle and Houston in a moment. But um, And actually, I talked to him a lot during these playoffs because after the White Sox lost to the Astros, I continued to cover the Astros, right, through the ALCS, through the World Series. And Graveman was a big part of that team. So both got to know him a little bit with the Cubs. But actually, this month of October, talked to him almost daily because he's one of those guys. He's one of those sort of go-to guys that sure. not you know, not – you're not going to see the masses of media go to him because he wasn't the closer with Houston, but he's a good, earnest interview. I'm sure you'll talk to him on White Sox Weekly often, um, and he a lot to say. Good, good teammate from everything I remember with the Cubs and then watching him with the Astros as well. And here's the key. You, you really can't look at his career pre-Tommy John, right? Pre-2019, he was a starter, ERA in the four, whatever. Different pitcher now, right? Moves into the relief role, um, past the injury. They're getting him like Seattle did at exactly the right time in his, in his career, you know, the Cubs kind of missed out. They rehabbed him and then let him go, never pitched for them. So he's a different pitcher and the stuff was really good in Seattle. Little bit of a drop off in Houston, uh, Connor. And maybe this sounds familiar. He's the closer on one team. He gets traded to be the setup man on another team and not as dominant with Houston, still pretty good. Uh, But this kind of, Puts a puts. I don't want to say nail in the coffin for for uh, Kimbrel's career as a White Sox, but they're not going to co- commit forty million dollars in the setup role, twenty four and sixteen, you know, total dollars in the setup role for twenty twenty two. So we kind of know that Kimbrel's going to be moved, and this assures it uh, when they when they sign a guy like Graveman for three years. But uh, real good guy um, should fit in nicely with the White Sox and. I mentioned this to Chuck Garfine the other day. I think he'll be a nice little yin and yang with Liam Hendricks and their personalities. Little different, but I think it'll work well back in the in, in the bullpen for the White Sox. So, Jesse, I, I wonder if you can kind of address the uh, urgency in the room, not for just the White Sox, but for all players and, and teams as we get closer and closer to the CBA deadline. Not from a negotiation about the CBA itself, but we are seeing a lot of players sign. And the Mets have just signed, like, I don't know, half of the free agents in this offseason over the last 24 hours, too. Is Is this being... Is, are these signings being affected? Is Graveman one of them uh, by the pending CBA? Uh, why is or, or isn't Craig Kimball's trade market being affected similarly if we are seeing a deadline kind of forced decisions here? Yeah, a couple things in play. First of all, absolutely every single free agent on the market would love to sign before December 1st slash 2nd. They'd love to. It doesn't mean it will happen. So, of course, that's the elephant in the room in these conversations, right? We haven't even, let's say in a normal season, we off season, we haven't even reached the winter meetings and we're seeing all these signings. So certainly the pending lockout is, is part of this whole thing. But I'm not sure if, if it affects one guy over, you know, everybody wants to do it. It doesn't mean they all will. It just negotiations go in different paths. So I'm not saying it, it, it was especially true for Graveman is my point. Yeah. They all would like to. Some negotiations work out, some don't. In, in, a, in a matter of time, and, and the ones that don't will just have to wait. Now, the trade market is interesting because um, maybe people don't realize during a lockout, teams can have no conversations with players or agents, none. So that's why you're seeing a flurry of free agent signings. But what they can during, do during the lockout is talk between each other. Rick Hahn can talk to any GM in the game. They can't announce anything, I don't believe, in terms of you can't trade players during right, lockout. Right, right. But they can work trades out, and the moment the lockout ends, they can announce it and then go back to the free agent market. So I think there's a little bit of a pause 
in the trade market because they're going to have a month or six weeks of basically doing nothing but talking to fellow executives. So I think you'll see a flurry of trades announced after lockout. You know, this is sort of in theory. Mm. And then teams will readdress uh, their free agent needs as well. So that's why you're seeing a run on free agency. Because, look, a player would love to know where he's going to be at spring training. If he needs to find housing, well, if he signs now, he's got plenty of time to do that in his new city, in his new spring training city. You know, all that stuff, families, all that stuff, they all would love to know. But that's in any season, in any offseason, Connor. They they all want to know earlier rather than later. But a lot of the times it just doesn't work out. This is forcing some guys and some teams to move quicker. And, and, it's, it, and they want to move quicker. Like, the teams want to move quick, too. They would like to know as much information about their roster as they can before the lockout. Oh, I, I was talking about this earlier, Jesse. If I were the White Sox, you know, with a roster that's pretty set, a couple of open places that you could sign some impact players, I would hate to be trying to squeeze a guy into the last two weeks of spring training hoping he can get ready for opening day and then rolling him out there for a division title defense. I, I don't want to be in that spot. I don't want to have to do that if I've got another option. Uh, to that end, we have seen the White Sox connected with two of the bigger names this offseason, Robbie Ray and Marcus Semien. What do you hear? What do you know? Well, Simeon's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of hearing a little bit more on that end. Uh, I know in talking to him during last season, he really doesn't want to play second base. Mm. But when you consider the season that he had, he might get paid as well as any shortstop, if even if he plays second. I mean, silver slugger, gold glove, top three MVP, 45 home runs. Remember, that was not an easy season for Toronto, playing in three different home ballparks. And look, Simeon, I think will admit this in his own way. He, he did not want to play second base. He did not want to go to Toronto. So he puts that – this is the kind of guy he is, though. He puts that aside, right, and he goes out and has that kind of a season. It just It's not what he wanted to do. He ends up firing his agents and going to Boris. And here's the thing. You know he's 31 years old, right? This is his deal. This is his big deal. Boris is going to max out. There's yeah. a good chance he'll end up being overpaid, right, because it's going to be some long-term deal in his mid-30s. But you know what? You might take that because – he is such a good character guy. You know he's going to keep himself in shape and do the best he can throughout his mid-30s to, to put up some good numbers. I mean, he's played in 162 games both in 2019 and now 2021. I mean, his, this past season was an incredible season for Marcus Simeon moving over to a new position and winning a gold glove and putting up those offensive numbers. So I guess my point is if you're going to overpay someone, it is a guy like Marcus Simeon. I wish he was left-handed. Sure. I, 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 that would help in my mind. Sure. But look, when if he repeats his season, you'd put him at catcher if you had to. Like it, those numbers are were so sick, and he was so good in the field. You don't mind another right-handed bat in there. I don't know about the top end of the starting pitching market. It makes sense. They're certainly not going to spend on both those. Like if you sign Simeon, I don't think you're signing a, a top-end start. If you sign a top-end start. Because I did say to, uh, to Chuck on his podcast a week ago, like this is a year to push all in for the White Sox. I think you know, you've had your two years of making the playoffs, and now it's time to really go. Mm-hmm. But I don't know about signing two of those guys, right? And one of them already in his 30s in, in, in Simeon. So I could see one of them. I could see Simeon. Uh, you, never, you never say you have enough pitching, so you're always, you're always going to work on the edges at the very least there. But I don't know about the top end. That would be very interesting to me. And you still need a DH. And to go back to our conversation about the lockout, 
that's the one position where if you're a player and his agent, you're going to wait on because you don't know yet if there's a universal DH. And right. to open the market up to 15 more teams, if I'm Kyle Schwarber, I'm waiting. I'm waiting till a new CBA is signed, and I know for sure there's a DH in the National League. Wanted to check in on a division rival for the White Sox, and, and the reason is, I, I know you spent a lot of years talking with Javi Baez while he was playing for the Cubs. There are some reports out that Baez and the Tigers are talking contract what do you make of the reports there? What does this say about the division rival Tigers? And, you know, because I, I, I know for a while that it had been dabbling around the Carlos Correa situation, even though that might seem kind of, uh, you know, pie in the sky. Yeah, look, it's a game of musical chairs, Connor. I, I wouldn't put more stock into one report over another. My point is, yes, the Tigers are talking to Bias. They're talking to Correa. They're talking to Story. Absolutely. It, it, the Yankees are doing the same. The Rangers are doing the same. And sometimes what leaks is is to push another team a little bit further. Like um, if if you're Correa or Story and um, agents, I mean, yeah. And you hear, oh, Detroit might be getting close to bias. Well, wait, well, let me give them a call back and see what they think. So you never know what the strategy when things leak. Absolutely, I saw going back to GM meetings. I saw Bias's agent huddling with both AJ Hinch and Alex uh, Avila. There, the the GM. It was interesting that AJ Hinch was at the GM meetings. That's how big of an offseason. Now, he likes to go to these things, yeah. I think, but, but that's still, I think it's telling. When the, when the GM and the manager are there together talking to agents, we know Detroit was going to, I talked to executives. They, they chose Detroit as one of the teams to, to make a big splash. They already did that with Eduardo Rodriguez. There's little doubt they're going to get one of those shortstops. So, yes, the conversation with Bias is real, but just as it is real with Story and Korea. I mean, I've heard conflicting things about who A.J. Hinch likes the best, and it's not always been from what I hear Carlos Correa necessarily, and you think it would be. Yeah. I know that he likes Trevor Story. Who doesn't like uh, Seeger? So I, I absolutely would connect bias with Detroit, but not necessarily more than any other team. Let's just put it that way. Remember, there were reports early on that Bias might re-sign with the Mets. That's looking less and less likely. So there's rumors, and then there's actually what happens when it comes to Detroit. And when it comes to those shortstops, I think there's a lot of gamesmanship going on and a lot of, you know, so-called musical chairs. High stakes poker, that's for sure. Jesse, appreciate it as always. Let you get back into the turkey leftovers, my friend. There's plenty for me, and there's plenty. I had plenty already. I'm starting. I'm, most people start the diet January 1st. I'm starting at December. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to diet as long as the lockout uh, lasts. That's so a good hoping, idea. That's I'm hoping idea. it's a short one. I'm my, hoping it's a short one. My motto with Thanksgiving leftovers is a Hawk Harrelson phrase. Don't stop now, boys. Exactly. That's a good one. I like that. I, I live by that. Thanks, Jesse. <laughs> See you, Connor. See you, Jesse. Jesse Rogers, ESPN 1000. And let that be a lesson to all of you. Don't stop now. Just just keep piling the leftovers on. And, by the way, if you are making the leftover sandwich, toast your bread, for God's sake. It holds. Listen, if you toast the bread, the gravy has a better surface to adhere to and doesn't soak through the bread. Once you've lost bun integrity in a sandwich you are now just eating a sloppy mess of good food yeah it might still be good food but it it gets all gross and it's all over the place nobody likes sloppy steaks you gotta get yourself the the toasted bread with the gravy and the sandwich this is a baseball show but this is how important i i think this is a good leftover sandwich 312-332-3776 you want to hop in on some of the stuff jesse and i talked about about the white Sox offseason feel free Kendall Graveman, a reported signing for the Sox. We'll get to our uh, news and notes segment when we come back. A lot of things going on in baseball over the last 36 hours, and you'll hear how they affect the White Sox. 
when we return. I'm Connor McKnight, White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. It's White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight. You can secure your spot at Guaranteed Rate Field next season with a 2022 ticket package. Catch the biggest matchups and enjoy 2022 postseason opportunities, flexible payment plans, and more. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com. I think we're going to start something new here on White Sox Weekly. Not this week and and maybe not next because I want to wait for the uh, Golden Days era Hall of Fame voting, you know, where uh, Billy Pierce and Minnie Minoso and Dick Allen, amongst others, uh, but those are three former White Sox for you, eligible for that uh, Hall of Fame voting committee. Uh, after they're done, I want to have a good show about it. I mean, we like to think we always have good shows, but a good long show about those voting results and anything else the White Sox might be up to leading up to the expiration of the CBA. But um, I'll, I'll let you know here, it, it, it looks like we are headed for a lockout. I, I hope that change. I fervently hope that changes because I want this offseason to go. I want the White Sox to be able to make their moves. I want to talk baseball with you guys. I want to talk about the White Sox AL Central Division title defense all winter long. Uh, but we don't always get what we want in life, and it looks like we may be headed up to a lockout. So once, if that happens, I should say, I, I was thinking about it this way. We stream live on Twitch. Just follow us at ESPN 1000 Chicago. I'm here. Hello. Nice to see all of you long Twitchers. Oh, wow, got a big number of you in here. Um, and one of the long Twitchers, uh, Xtreme Sports X, always you know hops in and asks questions and stuff. I don't know if it's a he or a she or they or them, but it's always great to have everybody on here. And they were asking a couple of questions of me. So I thought what we would do starting probably not next Saturday, but the Saturday after is we're going to start an email mailbag. We're going to, we're going to start an email account and I'll let you know what the, uh, the email address is in next week's show where you can just kind of, you know, over the winter lob questions at us, you know, random stuff, whatever you're thinking about white Sox wise, or, you know, broadcast wise, if you got questions about what we do here at the station, bringing white Sox baseball to you over the airwaves, we'd love to talk with you and get those answers to you. You know, we're once weekly on Saturday mornings and live for you too. Uh, so the email thing kind of works a little bit better. You know, I, I think talking to fans, so we're going to try this out. Um, the question that, uh, that got asked me on Twitter that made me thinking about this was, uh, asking me whether I traveled this year working White Sox away games. And if not, are they going to let people travel next year? So I thought, well, shoot, this is kind of a, this might be interesting for some White Sox fans, at least to delve into briefly. I traveled twice last year. I did a three game series in Baltimore. Darren Jackson was out on vacation, so I filled in for him. Um, and then there was one game I went to Dallas to call. Len was on the television side. I went to Dallas to, uh, to, to watch the White Sox, call the White Sox and Rangers game down there. You should know, at least White Sox fans, I think, should know that Len and DJ were the very first radio crew in baseball to start traveling full time last year after the the pandemic restrictions and vaccines and everything like that were uh, both eased and then implemented. Len and DJ were adamant about getting on the road and bringing White Sox baseball to you from road ballparks all year long. 
they wanted that very badly. And I am so glad that they were able to do so because it's just it it's a better broadcast when you're there. You can see the baseball, which, as it turns out, is really important when you're calling baseball games on live radio. So we're going to start the mailbag. Uh, wanted to kind of make the announcement here at the end of the show. A lot of news and notes. Um, you can catch that up on the on the, uh, the the podcast, ESPN Chicago. That's the app. Download that. All of our podcasts are out there and available for you for your consumption all off-season long. Big show next Saturday because, we'll, like I said, that CBA expires on December 1st and into the 2nd. So we'll have a lot to talk about, I think, this coming Saturday. And hopefully... Hopefully a lot of it's good news. Uh, Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley are coming up. They've got the hockey show next. Big thank you to Tyler Aki and Jesse Rogers for coming on the show. I'm Connor McKnight. We'll talk to you next Saturday. This is ESPN 1000.